Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you right now, Young Donovan. He's 11. The problem we're facing right now is we're losing our children. Good morning. You're welcome. Welcome once again to a weekly in that program, Free on the Inside. I'm not friendly in the studio this morning, but that don't mean that the show can't go on. I'm your host, our minister, Joel Lewis, and you're listening to an exciting, exciting internet program to encourage you, to challenge you to be all you could be in Christ Jesus. This morning, we're going to listen to an archive uh, show that we've done with uh, Mr. Glenn Taylor. He's no longer with us, but he had a community garden that he had developed, and he was sharing it with me and my listening audience. And you know, this is the time of year to start planting, not only uh, planting the physical seed, but also planting spiritual seed. And we continue with uh, with the ministry at hand. We have a, a garden over at the Cottrell House that we uh, started uh, last month. And so that's going on well. The young man's excited about it. I'm excited about it. But uh, I would like to just continue to share with you the very gifting of the people that God has embedded in the ministry. And so we'll have an interview here for Mr. Glenn Taylor at Barrow Creek. Uh, community church Brother Glenn is no longer over there no more He, he has passed away to be with the Lord But we thank him for his gifting And his talent And his willingness to share his gifting with us On Free on the Inside So kick back and enjoy the program God bless you for listening in once again Let's play <laughs>
Donovan. Good morning, my name is Gray Bun and I am 11 years old. You're listening to Free on the Inside, my papa, Diggy Joe Lewis. Well, hello, welcome once again to our weekly internet program. It's a program to inform you, to encourage you, and to challenge you to be how you can be in Christ Jesus. Uh, we thank you for tuning in this morning, the call in number. Uh, for those that like to just call in and listen to the program, I assume that you already listened to the program, so I'm going to give you this number to share with your friend. The call-in number would be 310-982-4126. Again, that call-in number is 310-982-4126. Went for a great time this morning, as always. Thank you for uh, continuing to support this program. Thank you for listening in. And, and uh, just a recap from last week's uh, program, we were very blessed last week. Uh, my church, Shady Grove Baptist Church, and uh, in partnership uh, in partnership with Dallas Life, which is a shelter for men, women, and families located on Katy Street in the on the outskirts of downtown Dallas. We went down there and we uh, served lunch down there. This is our seventh year. This uh, this was our seventh year down there, and we was truly blessed. And we were able to bring the broadcast live from down at Dallas Life and. And you was able to listen to some of the interviews from the staff and from some of the volunteers. And uh, young Gregory Bunting was on there. I also gave a powerful uh, testimony on there. And uh, and I was encouraged by what the men that said uh, about they, <clears throat> they experience in their life in the uh, program and how, too, that the program was making a difference. And we pray that what we're doing and, and as we attach ourselves onto other ministries, that we, too, are assisting other ministries and help change your life. As you log on to this program, you'll see us. You'll see our slogan that says "Help Change Your Life." And you know we can't do anything apart from God. But this morning we are very excited about our guest that's come come on this morning. Matter of fact, they're on the line right now, so we're not going to delay it any longer. I'm excited about this young man, uh, Gerald uh, Taylor here. He's going to come on and share with us some things that are very dear to his heart. And I'd just like you to kick back and relax. Again, that calling number is three one zero nine eight two forty one twenty six. In the next voice, you'll hear be Gerald. Good morning, Gerald. You're on the line. Good morning, brother. Joel, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming aboard here, brother. I'm excited to have you, you on here. Thank you. Please uh, reintroduce yourself. I already told them who you were, but please uh, tell us who you are, who you're with, and what you're doing. I'll be glad to. Uh, my name is Brother Gerald Taylor, and uh, I uh, live here in Irving, Texas. And uh, I am uh, delighted to be on the program this morning. This invitation came uh, this week, and when I heard about it, I, I just was uh, praising God for another opportunity to, to share a little bit of my testimony and uh, what we're doing over here in Irving and how God has really uh, used me uh, to um, uh, further some, some uh, goals and some some, some things that uh, uh, became a reality basically in a, uh, the last 18 months, two years in, in my personal life, which I can only describe as tumultuous. Tumultuous in a way that uh, uh, only uh, uh, God would understand uh, where he's going with this. Uh, briefly, my testimony, uh, 
that I don't mind sharing this morning, and I prayed about this last night, how much of the testimony was going to be pertinent to what I wanted to discuss uh, in our ministry. But I think the, the only way to really uh, give the listeners a, a full appreciation of uh, what's going on in my life and, and, and what's going on in, 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 in urban, what we're doing through our church, is to go ahead in that testimony. You know, uh, uh, a little over two years ago, uh, I had moved to Irving, Texas. I had uh, recently come from Florida where I had taken care of my mother who passed away at 91 years old. And uh, I was able to be her caregiver the last six months of her life. And uh, uh, I really praise God for that because uh, here was a situation where I hadn't even seen my mother in 38 years. Uh, I used to think that if you looked up dysfunctional in the dictionary, you would probably see my picture and my family's picture in there under the description of dysfunctional. But uh, during the last six months of her life, I was blessed to be able to go back and be her caregiver and spend the last six months with her, and it was probably the best six months of my life. I certainly hope so it was for my mother. But I had a sister that lived in Irving, and when, and when she passed away, she, she suggested, why don't you come, come uh, move to Irving? And, uh, you know, I had spent the, the previous years, uh, before I went to take care of my mother in California, I've been out there 30-some years. And so I came to Irving, uh, and uh, I wasn't crazy about it because I'm from the Bay Area in, in, in California. I'm a diehard 49er fan, and I came to, to, to Dallas, and uh, you know, which we call Haterville. And I came, and, and uh, eventually I got a job. I was able to get a job locally. And uh, things started, started changing uh, a lot for me, some, some personal things going on in my life that... Uh, 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 I was personally responsible for. I had a job. I got lost. I got fired from the job. Uh, things started happening. Um, I had a falling out with my sister. Um, was really pretty despondent. Was pretty depressed. And uh, at one point, I'd gotten to the point that uh, I didn't want to live. I basically uh, uh, did not want to live at all. But I had gone to a little church uh, not far from where I lived. Uh, on occasion before that, and it was a Saturday morning, much like today, that that uh, I was uh, really this close to ending my life. And last-minute desperation, a business card uh, appeared on my desk that I had picked up from this church several weeks before, and on it was the pastor's name and telephone number. And, you know, I said to someone on my church, I said, why don't you call these people at the church and, and talk to them about what's going on? And so I called, and the pastor wasn't in, and the lady who took the call uh, basically said she would connect me then with somebody's voicemail. And while she was transferring me over to the voicemail, I hung up. I got cold feet. I got scared. Uh, and within two minutes, somebody called me back on the telephone, and it was one of the deacons of the church, and said, is this the young man who, who uh, just called uh, about uh, having some problems? And I said, yes, it was. Well, in the course of that conversation, what he was able to do was convince me uh, to come to church the next day. He wanted to come right away. He wanted, he wanted me to tell him where I lived and where I lived, and he was going to come and minister to me right away and, and all of that. Now I'm kind of embarrassed, but I did agree to come to church the next day. And so I went to that church the next day, and to make a long story short with this part of the testimony, I basically uh, have been at that church ever since. God saved me that day. 
He uh, uh, connected me with a Bible teaching, uh, God-loving, congregation-inspiring experience that I fell in love with. They literally saved my life. Uh, And that's the Bear Creek Community Church. It's right here in Irving, Texas. And if if God had had so marvelously designed these things, um, I lived only about six blocks away from that church. So it was very convenient for me to go there. And so as a result of that, my life started to change. Um, started attending church there, started getting involved in the ministry, started getting involved in the activities, just surrounded myself pretty much uh, night and day with some some kind of activity at the Bear Creek Church. Um, and so that's that's where I started my, my, my spiritual rebirth. That's where I started my, my, my morning in life. Uh, got baptized, uh, uh, became more involved in, in church activities, and then later on, uh, about a year ago, uh, on another Saturday, much like this again today, and with that very same deacon, as a matter of fact, uh, who had made that phone call that saved my life that Saturday, uh, he and I were working at the church, and we were talking about the gardens. And uh, as God would see it, we went outside and and uh, went to a, a property that the, the church maintains and has ownership to. And we stood there, and I started explaining to him my vision of what I would do if this was turned into a garden. Well, be as it may, um, that vision was also simultaneously shared by our pastor, who had uh, been wanting to do something with that property, and, and uh, there had been some discussions with him uh, previously with others about doing a garden. But... God connected us and, and that vision of what we could see happening in this garden. So that's what I'm speaking of today, that vision that God placed on our hearts and in our minds uh, a year ago has now become a reality. The community garden that, that we have at Bear Creek Community Church is, is something to really behold. We even started calling it God's garden because uh, what what's happened there is is just truly incredible when you when you when you when you see what God has truly done, and it's truly only God that has done this. I mean, um, you know, you, you look at you look at the things that are that have come into reality in the garden itself, and and you will just be amazed. Um, so what we did is we we started this community garden, and we started out uh, as a community garden. But God started opening up other possibilities and other ministries that that we can use this garden to to bring people uh, together, not only in a garden setting and in a communal activity like gardening, but that garden and that vision has become a reality. And we have formed some partnerships and neighborhoods and the alliances that are available and available to us in the in the urban community that that really go to the the, the core of the Great Commandment. Uh, our church also operates a, a small food pantry on, on Saturday mornings, a clothes closet, uh, where, uh, uh, where people can come and get clothes, they can come and get food. But we're addressing a need of fresh garden vegetables that uh, that, uh, that is provided. Uh, and so we end up having, uh, you know, uh, the opportunity for people to, to uh, garden and grow fresh vegetables and and uh, meet new people and be exposed to what's going on, uh, you know, through our church and in our community. And, uh, you know, it's become a, a wonderful place. One of the 
the most specific area that we designed and, and built in the very beginning was our pastoral meditation garden where we erected a 12-foot cross. We don't want to ever forget about what this is all about in that community garden. And that's become a very tranquil and a tranquil and peaceful place for just meditation, for just sitting down and just relaxing and, and, and communing with God. And, and I, I'm often aware of the fact that I think the reason why the garden is so special to us and why God has given it such special attention is that it reminds us of a time as believers that, uh, you know, our original, our, original, our original place to live was in the garden where God truly blessed us when there wasn't standing, where there wasn't just going on and, and uh, those kinds of things. And so I, I think we've kind of like recreated a little, recreated a little Garden of Eden uh, in a sense, but uh, the ministries uh, that are developed uh, as a result of what we're doing there are just fantastic. So that's a really kind of rushed overview and a little bit of testimony about how I came to become involved in it and become the director of it. Uh, but uh, uh, that's, that's, uh, where we're at with this, and so, uh, Joel, I'll just step back for a minute here and let you make some comments if you'd like. Uh, yes, you you hit on uh, some uh, very interesting points there as you were discussing the garden with uh, with our listening audience, and we're speaking with Gerald Taylor, a uh, member of Bear Creek uh, uh, Church uh, in a community garden. He was just sharing with us the joy it is to have a garden like that and the benefit it has within the community. Absolutely. Now, Gerald. Uh, uh, Gerald, now tell us now, how, uh, uh, what steps did you take in order to get this garden going? Because sometimes we think about, man, that's a lot of work. That's toiling and tilling in the ground, and, yeah. and that's labor. Yeah. So would you share with yeah. our listening audience the, yeah. the uh, you know, your technique? So because someone on here may want to try to implement that in their own yeah. church and their own community. Yes, I'll be more, I'll be more than glad to in, in, in speaking to that 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 very that very point. You know, uh, I'm, uh, people have asked me, and I've, I've become, become fond of saying that when God gave us this vision, he never gave us a, a small vision. Uh, we didn't, uh, you know, I never uh, saw the vision of the garden being, well, mainly because of the size of the property that we were going to utilize. It's a very large space. But, uh, uh, like I said, he never really gave us a vision that was, that was small. And it, it did and does take a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work. But, uh, in the beginning, what we what we did, besides uh, really turning it over to God and praying and trusting where where we were going with this, is we, we were blessed with the ability to go out and uh, form partnerships with uh, some organizations and some individuals that have become key, very key to to our our success. You know, we're not only the only uh, community garden in Irving, but we're the largest. Uh, and as a result, early on, several of us that are uh, the key members of our garden committee went out and we approached some key sponsors. We went out and we talked to Walmart. We went out and we talked to Lowe's. Uh, we went out and we made um, uh, appeals to uh, the Chamber of Commerce. We talked to a lot of people about the vision of the garden. I think it's kind of, um, I think it's kind of uh, reflective of, of how how unique we were in that sense that. Um, we really didn't know what we were doing specifically when it came to that. We just trusted God uh, was part of this. But it's very key in the beginning when you start a, 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 a community garden to be realistic about what it is that you want to do in terms of size, uh, what it is you want to do in terms of who's going to be participating in this, because that's very key in the beginning. You have to have uh, you have to have relationships with with individuals that may want to garden that 
that they understand that it's going to take a lot of work and that they're key in this. So in the beginning, we had um, work Saturdays. We had, uh, you know, all congregation work days uh, where we had our, we asked our congregation to come up and pick up a, a shovel, pick up a hole, pick up a rake, pick up some pruning shears, run a mower, do whatever was necessary uh, to get the area cleaned up and get it prepared and get the site prepared and, and all of that. And, you know, we have our congregation show up. We have other volunteers. We were able to uh, make some key partnerships with the city. We went to the uh, Texas A&M uh, Extension Services and were able to get the services of uh, some Texas Master Gardeners uh, who advised us uh, on this. Uh, in the beginning, we took a tour of community gardens all around Dallas County, all around the area. We went to Scapel, we went to the Farmer's Market, we went to Farmer's Branch, we went to Dallas. We went and toured all these different community gardens to see what other people were doing. And from that, we were able to... Uh, develop our, uh, our our site plan. We were able to develop what we wanted to do from what we had seen and learned uh, in those tours and those visits and, and the, you know, the advice of our master gardeners and, and, and people like that. Of course, there again, you know, I'm one of those people that still keeps pushing the big vision. Uh, the things that seemed unrealistic eventually didn't seem very un- unrealistic to God. Uh, so we started out, and uh, you know, we started out with with the, the idea that we were just going to be doing a, a few raised beds, and we're doing raised beds because early on we took a, a, a soil sample of our of our property, and we found out that, uh, from what I understand, is most prevalent around this part of Texas, is a soil that's uh, very laden with clay, very laden with some other uh, soil sediments that don't necessarily make it that great for growing crops straight to the ground, straight into the ground. So we decided that we were going to build raised beds, cedar cedar wood or treated wood uh, construction, raised beds, 4 by 10, 5 by 10, and uh, install those. And then that what that meant was that's more expensive, of course, obviously, because you're recreating the growing environment. But that required now that we had to buy compost, we had to buy other soil amendments, but it gave us the opportunity to control the growing environment. In other words, we were able to improve our soil by having it in a container as opposed to going in the ground. Now, of course, our pastor's chief among them, there are many of the native Texans around here that say basically you can grow anything around this part of Texas and you just give it a little love and this and that, then you just throw it out there and water it. And, you know, they, they've proven themselves to me that that could be the case in a lot of situations because I've seen a lot of stuff in this garden that there's no rhyme or reason why it should be growing outside of a raised bed, but yet it does. And not only does it grow good, it grows exceedingly good. So uh, to answer your question, though, it's very important in the beginning that uh, uh, in a community garden setting, you identify who that community is. You identify the people that are going to make, make the necessary investment in the beginning to do the work, because it is an extremely uh, it's an extreme amount of work, and we could not have done it, and we cannot continue to maintain it without the help of, of volunteers. And volunteers are key. Of course, our garden is different in the sense that, um, you know, we went around and we did these, these tours uh, of uh, other gardens. We decided because we were a faith-based organization uh, that we were a church, and we identified what our mission statement was, what our mission goal was. 
which was to provide the opportunity for people to feed themselves and their families, we decided on that we were not going to have any charges. We were not going to charge people any fees for this. Uh, and so, you know, we we have a significant uh, upfront expense of the materials that were required to build these beds, uh, the water, um, you know, uh, because of certain uh, water restrictions and regulations and, and, and urban, uh, we had to install underground drip system, a sprinkler system, uh, to supply our 30 beds, because that's how big we've become, is 30 raised beds in just one section of the garden. Uh, we've had to, uh, and we provided seeds, we provided plants, we provided all of these things. So basically it was if a person had the desire to come and want to grow in our garden, cost is not going to be a, a factor that would prohibit them from coming and participating in the garden experience. It wouldn't cost them a dime. And so we've done that, and, it, and we, we did that at great expense to, 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 our, to ourselves in the beginning. Uh, but that was the vision. That was the, the mandate with which our pastor insisted on and their congregation insisted on. And, 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 and in a result, it was difficult uh, from being the director's uh, standpoint of saying, my God, where's our income going to be coming from? And how are we going to be, you know, uh, how are we going to be self containing and self this if we don't have any fees, if we don't charge our gardeners this and this and that, where's this coming from? Well uh, <laughs> those that know me will tell you sometimes I get I get a you know uh, it, 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 it comes now with the maturity of trusting God. In in those situations we were able to attract just by our just by our determination, just by our vision, just by our going out and asking people for help. We got help from some such unexpected sources. That irrigation system that I that I talk about, we had a gentleman who donated his time, his labor, his efforts to do that, and that probably would have cost us five thousand dollars to have our, our our water system put in like that. When it came to seeds and plants, we were able to get a nursery, a nursery that supplies Lowe's and Home Depot and Kroger and all these various places around with uh, the garden plants that you see in the spring. They donated to us. They donate to us their plants that are. That are being taken back to the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the the nursery, or they uh, uh, some that uh, are in absolutely perfect shape that are ready to go in the ground. They donate to us. They they contact us and let us know when their distribution truck is coming by, and we'll go pick up the plants and bring them back. And they 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 provided and donated thousands of dollars worth of plants, uh, loads and Walmart seeds, materials. Um, it just the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, I think at one point in our particular garden, I did a donation tally of what our, our major sponsors and donors have donated just to get this community garden going in urban. And it was almost $30,000. That's $30,000 in materials that, that we did not have to uh, uh, come up with. Now, I don't want to scare anybody off with that kind of number. You can do a community garden on way less than $30,000. In fact, in the beginning, the research that I did said that most community gardens, believe it or not, most community gardens uh, in uh, the United States, from a survey that the American Community Gardeners Association did, determined that most community gardens operate on a budget of $2,000 or less. $2,000, I said, how can I do the level and the, the scope of the garden that we're doing? Well, <laughs> the scope of the garden that, that we're <laughs> That we're doing and eventually accomplished is, is not in that model. We just we just were just tremendously blessed and continue to be blessed, and uh, we could not have done it at this level 
uh, and operated at this size had it not been for those kinds of donors that came and give that and gave that kind of love to this garden. And it's very true. Oh, that is so true, there, Jerry. You know what? I am very excited about what you're sharing with us because, as I was thinking about, I did some research on community gardening. As you talk about having a raised, uh, a, a raised uh, structure where you can, uh, you know, kind of control your uh, your uh, soiling. Your son, and that's very important. I think, and you know what? I thank you for doing some research on this because we encourage our listening audience that anytime they're involved in ministry, do some research on partner with other people. You said, man, we're bringing in other Absolutely. people. We're not trying to, we're not trying to do this ourselves. And I think that's the key to success Absolutely. in ministry. Because and you know, what, sometimes we you. want. Go ahead. I was just trying to say on that point. Let me let me go ahead and tell you that that what has happened uh, with the vision of our our garden. Uh, and, and where we're going with this as a nonprofit and a foundation is that eventually what we're hoping to do, and hopefully as early as next year, is what we want to do is we want to actually uh, duplicate what we're doing in the neighborhoods. In other words, yes. we, want to be, we, we want to be able to provide a family that has a space in their backyard, a four-by-four four raised bed. In other words, you know, our, our garden will provide you with a four-by-four four raised bed with all the soil, with all the amendments, with all the seeds, that you can do this in the backyard, and we'll support you in that, and we'll encourage you in that, because basically a family of four can 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 grow fresh garden vegetables uh, in a bed that size and sustain themselves. You know, never, now, now, never Jerry, another, now, tell me something yeah, before you go any further. Yeah. Tell me something before you go any further. On this four by four, how many different uh, vegetables can you grow in something like that? Or what would be suitable well, to grow in a four by four? I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's another that's another method with which we we uh, uh, adapted and promote in our garden. It's called square foot gardening. And square foot gardening is if you'll take that, if you'll just vision in your mind a four by four uh, a bed, and if you'll if you'll divide that bed in your mind up into twelve foot squares, okay. In a 12-foot uh, garden bed, you can look at those individual squares. There's 48. There's 48 12-inch 12 uh, 12 by 12-inch uh, uh, bed. Each one of those squares represents another garden. It, re- it represents a single garden by itself. You understand what I'm saying? So right. Words, I'm picturing it right in, now, yes. In, in one square of those 48, you can be growing... Uh, a single cabbage, because a, a cabbage needs that much space to grow, so let's say a single cabbage. In the one next to it, of those 48 squares, you can grow carrots. Let's say you can grow 12, 16, 18 carrots in that one. In the next one over to that, you can grow some lettuce, maybe three heads of lettuce. You, you follow what I'm, where I'm going with this? Yeah. And so at the end, you know, what and, you, have is you, have, uh, you have 48 little squares, and we call that companion gods. We call that companion garden. What do you grow next to something else that benefits that that crop that's next to it? Uh, and Rich, at Gerald, the same that is time, so fix your soil. And I'm that's so glad the, you that's shared the that. Which we encourage. That's what we encourage in our in our in our garden experience. That if you'll do that, now we have four by five, uh, four by ten, and five by ten beds. So we're talking about uh, basically um, we're talking about uh, at the four by ten we're talking about. 40 little individual mini gardens, and at the 5 by 10, which probably half of our beds are, we're talking about 50 in companion gardens. So it, it, can, it, can, get, it can get that detail, uh, and it can, get, Jerry, it can be that successful. Now tell me something now. now is it uh, a, with a garden that, like that, 
that side and similar to uh, that. Uh, what is about the growing rate all year long? Will you be able to sustain something like that all year long? Yes, and and we're this is our first year, and we're learning from our, our mistakes, and 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 we've learned a lot. Now, uh, initially, our, our first growing season, which is traditionally the spring, which is around uh, March uh, or so, when you're doing raised bed gardening, up until about June, uh, and we had a phenomenal growing uh, uh, first spring. We had a phenomenal growing season. Uh, stuff was growing in everybody's heads. I mean, we had cucumbers that were the size of oh, it was just un- it was unbelievable. And so oh, that's great. That's in great. Area, in this particular climate of Texas, uh, experienced gardeners, experienced gardeners look at they actually look at three growing seasons. They can actually get three crops in a year, because there are some there are some crops that you can start growing in the fall that take you through the cool. The the the, the winters are not that harsh in, in the you know in the in the Dallas area that you can actually grow some stuff that you that you're planting now for October and November. Uh, next year we have the experience of knowing that our our cool crops like lettuce, which are which do well in cold weather, that cool weather. Uh, you know, you start putting those in the ground and, and onions and things like that. You start putting those in around February, January, late January, uh, February, because they're not really that they're really not that uh, dependent on uh, uh, on frost. In other words, uh, and so you can have three separate growing seasons. And what we found is is that most of the garden crops that, that we that we grow or you want to grow in your garden, they generally have a maturity date of about 120 days. That's maximum. Cucumbers and, and uh, uh, watermelon take a little bit longer. Uh, right now, for instance, in our garden, about the only thing that's really successfully growing and growing just everywhere in everybody's bed is okra. Okra loves the heat. It, it, it grows. No sooner do you harvest the uh, you know, uh, two dozen pods off your okra plant. Uh, three days later, there's 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 uh, there's two dozen more. Uh, so okra just been incredible. You know, Jerry, I'm thinking about. I remember like my okra. grandmother. You like okra? This is a place to grow it. Yeah, I think about my grandmother. They always they knew uh, the elderly people knew how to put things in the you know how to grow things in a particular season. Yes, and as did. you pointed out, yes, that there's three type of growing season, and that's something that we are not aware of if we're not a gardener. And thank you for sharing that insight on us, brother. I I know that someone wants to try to attempt this, and someone is going to be successful at this. And you gave them the tools and the insight on how to be successful at a community garden. But right now we yeah. have several callers on the line here. We go kick back and let them come in Perfect. and and, uh, and just share their experience and. Uh, and just give Absolutely. you some kudos on what you're doing, okay? Absolutely, because I, I do want to kick back to talk to Prigger and Joel about the, the ministries that this has developed too. So yes, we'll take some calls. Good morning, y'all. The net, Mr. Flemings. Good morning, y'all. The net. Okay, let's call. I just want to hold on here and just listen in. We got another caller coming in. Good morning, Hello? Mr. Daniel. You on the net? Hey, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing great, doing great. Well, I hope you're enjoying this conversation we have here with Mr. Taylor talking about his community garden at Barrow Creek yeah. Church. Uh, go, that's go, go right ahead, son. I've been, uh, I've been you know, looking at a lot of things that have been happening in the world. You know, and, uh, really, uh, it's time people really start going back to, you know, growing their own food. Oh, yeah, absolutely. On the barns and in the yard because, you know, basically you can't really trust what you're buying in the store no more. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, is it Daniel? Yes, it is. Yeah, but Brother Daniel, I'm glad you bring that up because uh, as a result of, of being involved in gardening uh, at a serious level now, um, I, you know, I, I do a lot of research and I get a lot of emails and I, I keep up on a lot of things. And I think in our community, uh, you know, we as a community also have to understand what is going on in the world. And right now uh, there's, there's a, a big controversy going on about the GMO versus non-GMO. And what that basically means is we're talking about uh, the, the food industry in, in this country and in, in, uh, all over the, the world and in a lot of places has become so dependent on what they call genetically modified uh, uh, organisms. Uh, and that's where they've basically done things in the laboratory. They've created new species that, that are designed to, uh, you know, have shelf life in the stores. In other words, there's some things in the store that look good because we eat with our eyes. That's just a human nature thing. And, you know, that, uh, uh, that our grandparents and our great-grandparents would tell you, uh, that doesn't look like a, 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 an apple to me. That doesn't look like a, 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 a you know, a, a bell pepper to me. That doesn't look like a... Well, what it is is to say they've been genetic, genetically modified for two reasons. One, to shelf life and get them from the farmer uh, and the, the GMO uh, producers to the store. They want them to look bright. They want them to look appealing. They want them to look good. Uh, and actually, to tell you the truth, uh, just real quick, another another reason why I believe God has been so actively involved in, in my involvement in this, this community garden and trying to establish by, uh, by example is that I was recently diagnosed with inoperable liver cancer. And we know where cancer comes from. We know that cancer is, preve- is preventable. We know that uh, the doctors know what the, what the cure to cancer is, and what the cure to cancer is is prevention. It's what we're putting in our bodies now, what we're, what we're eating, what we, what we as a society have, have become so accustomed to accepting as, as healthy eating. And so that's one of the ministries, Joel and Daniel, that I was talking about that has resulted as uh, uh, the development of this community of garden has gone because we've, we've, we're now starting a health and wellness uh, uh, ministry, uh, uh, a health and wellness uh, component to the garden that is uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, designed to, to do that, uh, our garden is, is completely 100% organic, and by by that I mean there have been no chemicals, no Roundup, no no pesticides, no weed killers, no none of that that have been uh, uh, you know uh, allowed to be uh, planted in our garden. In fact, the seeds and things that we even offer to our our, our gardeners, we make sure that there is that there is that there is non-GM that they're non-GMO uh, seeds. We don't want to pass that on. We have a responsibility. We have a commitment. We have an obligation in stewards of this community garden to pass on, to pass on just uh, not only the opportunity to have some fresh stuff for your family, but to have healthy fresh stuff for your family. So that is, that is very true. And that's what we're also going to be demonstrating when we develop our, our garden uh, foundation to the next level of providing these beds for people in their backyards that we're going to make sure that what we're going to be teaching them, what we're going to be modeling for them, is those kinds of things. And I think, you know, what's happened with me and my cancer, uh, uh, you know, only illustrates that, that that is the more reason for doing this because we want to bring down the, the rates of cancer. We want, to, we want, to, we want people to, to, to be eating healthy. And we in our black communities traditionally don't do that. Um, and, you know, it, it goes back to our grandparents and, and our great-grandparents that knew better. Uh, that not only were able to just garden anywhere and garden and raise anything, they also knew how to do it healthily, and that's what we've got to get back to. Amen. Um, 
you know about this part in the Bible where it tells you, um, it told, uh, you know, children of Israel, they told them to uh, grow the crops, but then also take seven years of rest and let the land replenish itself and grow other, grow back? Absolutely. Absolutely. And farmers do that. I grew up on a, in a farming community in western Kansas. Uh, I've been around farms all my life. And and that's what farmers call, uh, they call that farrowing of the crops. In other words, one year this is wheat, but it'll lay idle. It'll lay idle the next year, maybe two years or three years. They won't grow anything like that. Well, they're doing that for several reasons. Uh, and the result of that started happening on a mass level was because during the Dust Bowl days, when all the soil and, and everything was uh, uh, was getting blown away in, in the farm states of, of middle United States, it was because there wasn't any soil to maintain those winds that were coming. So farmers have been doing this as a practice to to uh, do crop rotation, and that's what I was just speaking about earlier about crop rotation. I mean, I, I mean companion gardening. Uh, companion gardening yeah. again is that is that uh, uh, that practice of uh, what do you grow next to something, to next to something, to next to something, and that also even gets as, as detailed as certain certain. And some of our garden beds even have flowers in them. Uh, and the reason why we have specific specific flowers is because they also organically are taking care of our pest control. In other words, we have a particular flower in that garden bed, in your in your raised bed. That that flower bed uh, attracts, let's say, a, a, a fetal moth or a potato bug or something like that. Well, next to it, we'll put another flower in the other part of the garden that attracts a predator, whose main food source is beetle bugs and and uh, uh, whatever that other whatever that other insect is. You know, it's a, in the microscopic world, in the gardening world, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world at that, micro, at that micro level. I mean, you know, but there are beneficial things to do. Now, the other thing we also promote is, uh, Daniel, is crop rotation in, in doing yeah. a community garden. And that means this next year, a lot of our garden beds that, that grew something, uh, in that space there won't be anything grown. We're going to give the, the, the soil a chance to replenish itself. Uh, you know, yeah. renew its soil uh, and, and yeah. bring it back up naturally and organically. So exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yes. Exactly. Yes, okay. You, are, you greatly answered my question. I wanted to hear from you. Yeah. Well, and you great. Can do this at hey, home. Jim. I'm proposing I'm gardens, but you can do this. I want people to understand that you can do this, do this at home. At the end, we'll give you some information, I guess, about how to contact me or how to research. And, and don't be intimidated by the amount of research that you're that you're going to get, uh, but just be, uh, you know, looking for the good information. So true. Hey, Jerry, you yeah. gave us some quite a bit of information. And I was just thinking, you know, uh, we're both here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, you know, uh, college, uh, Paul Quinn College, they they cancel a football uh, team and athletic uh, activities concerning outdoor sports, and they turned their football field into a garden. I know her. I know who designed that I mean, garden. And I, fact, it, she designed ours. She actually, she actually was willing to come out and do, give us a sketch in the beginning uh, when we said we wanted a um, a uh, garden design. That the girl, the girl that, that that put that community garden together in that space actually came out and designed our garden for us. Now we oh, have, man, that's we a have, beautiful <laughs> garden. We didn't use her design. We didn't use her design, but she was willing to do it. Well, all that. See, that's what I liked about that partnership, brother. You know, because you can be very successful when you join it and united with other organizations, other ministry and programs. And you know that community garden. I, I know, I, you know, I know about what's going on with uh, with it and, and how it's assisting in the neighborhood over there in the community mm-hmm. and how they are trying to develop uh, 
self-awareness of the things that we eat similar to what you're doing. Because I think it's very yeah. important. Because I look here, they're growing up eating fast food and all this junk food, and they don't even. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you know where vegetables come from, brother. They say, man, I don't know where yeah. they come from, a, a tomato, a cucumber, or anything. Yeah, anything, anything. And, you know, Michael and Daniel, the, the, the other quick thing I'll throw at you, too, is that uh, keep in mind, and I, I think it has to do with the fact that we're we're a faith-based community garden. Uh, you know, we're part of a church that had that vision and that support. But, you know, the things that we have watched, uh, 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 it's not only important to have partnerships, and network with people and things when you're beginning to do this, if you're planning on doing it at a, at a community level. In fact, where I come from in California, what, this, what you're talking about is the Quinn College campus. They actually call it guerrilla gardening. They were basically, they have, they have some activist gardeners out there that will find a vacant lot somewhere, a property that, that, that's just not been used by the, the landowner for who knows how long. And they will basically go in there and just start planting stuff. They're like Johnny Appleseed. They'll just start throwing stuff over the fence. And start maintaining it now. You know they, they've gotten into some legal issues and and whatnot in terms of trespassing and stuff. But usually it comes around when the landowner finds out that at least that that vacant lot is being good, being put to good use. There there's there's only less reluctance to prosecute and even support it until they do sell the property, because it becomes an improvement on their property. But they're called gorilla gardeners. They they grow stuff underneath the, the byways, the freeways, wherever there's a, a, a spot of land that, that's available to them. They reach into their little seed their bag and just start growing stuff. Uh, and that's an amazing thing. The other, the other thing, uh, when you were mentioning going back to the early days when it was, uh, you know, the victory gardens after the war and during the war when, when it was a necessity that people in the, in the urban uh, cities were needed to, to grow gardens. They, they, gardens were everywhere, the community gardens. But they, were, they were victory gardens, they called them. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the aspects that, that is a movement going around, which I belong to, uh, at least in terms of uh, membership, is called uh, uh, um, uh, Gardens, Not Lawns. And that's, that's really taken it to the extreme where you look at your front lawn if you're a homeowner, put your garden in your front yard. Grow your garden in your front yard. Set it up and grow your garden in your front yard on your front lawn. Now watch what that does for your neighborhood. Watch what that does. To, to the sense of community in your neighborhood. Our vision and our goal eventually with our garden uh, uh, project is, is to encourage that into our communities. And neighborhood by neighborhood, we have a, a, one of our big supporters uh, who's part of a, uh, our organization and is, is doing some things on her own. She's doing some aquaponics growing where she's just growing stuff in garden towers, which we have one at the church. She's done that exactly just on her block. She has a community garden that basically is her neighbors, two blocks down the street, two blocks over, two blocks over, two blocks over, it's eight blocks, and that's their community garden, her backyard. Now, that really brings neighborhoods together. And, you know, what you end up getting with that is you build a, a, a community that's put together through self-reliance, and they're modeling responsible environmental stewardship, and they, and, and they care for the health and well-being of their, of their people. Do you know your neighbors? How many of us know our neighbors other than to wave at or to see at or or to be interviewed by the news camera when they come and something happens across the street and everybody's always saying, well, I, you know, I seem like good people to me. But these are opportunities which really, really interact with your neighbors, really interact with your, with, you know, with, with your community and down to the neighborhood level. And, you know, uh, so the things that have happened with our garden is that we, you know, we're creating and we're providing learning opportunities for understanding, uh, you know, whole food nutrition and its effects on our health. 
One thing about our garden I should I should put in briefly is that one probably a half of our garden uh, has been devoted strictly to a children's garden. We're really proud of that garden. We're really delighted about what God has done in that in that garden. We've been blessed with a, a children's garden director who has just uh, gone beyond the call of duty to make sure that it's a success. And we look at it. It's a separate it's a separate garden from our from our main garden. It's maintained for the children. They planted seeds. It's it's uh, uh, you know they planted they, they planted their own plants. Um, you know and these this addresses that question of where where our kids think think our, our food comes from. We've given them hands-on experience. We're right now in the, in the process of developing the area in that children's garden that we're calling our learning. Are you ready for this? We call this our learning outdoor laboratory because we have classrooms right across the symptom <laughs> from the community garden where we can do displays. We have the butterfly lady. She's known as the butterfly lady here around Irving who comes out and does these seminars and classrooms and workshops and hands-on activities because of the butterflies. We also have part of our garden that we call our pollinator garden, which is our bee and butterfly garden. It's separate, about 2,500 square feet, that we have planted certain plants and flowers that attract the pollinators because our kids also need to understand that without bees and butterflies that do pollination, there wouldn't be a, a, a food supply. And bees are dying off worldwide in critical numbers. And so we've even, we've even developed a garden that attracts those pollinators to come back and pollinate in our garden to give our to give our gardens even more opportunities to grow and be successful growing uh, naturally, organically. Now, Gerald, before we get out of here, brother, before we leave, will you please give us some information on how to get something started like this, your man? You know what you're gonna hit on something here, brother. A community garden. You know, I go, I travel around town, and I, occasionally I see places in churches and and private property and things. And, and you know what? It blesses me because it put a smile on my face because it's a beautiful sight, man. You talk about landscape. It's nothing beautiful that a that a, a garden, man, with vegetables coming up. You know, greens and, and and uh, things of that nature. So give us a, uh, some information on how to get something started like this and how to contact you if for any more further advice. I will. Absolutely. That's, that's become another, uh, it actually has become uh, another um, an area in which we are, are actually making ourselves prepared and, and available for. Uh, you know, the, the thing with that designation of being the only gardening in Irving, the, the largest and the only uh, there's some responsibility that's come with it. As a result of our success that we've done at our garden, and recently, I, I got so in my little my little club, we were recently recognized by the city of Irving in their Keep Irving Beautiful organization as an outstanding faith-based organization for our community garden. In our first year of operation, we've been awarded a city award for outstanding faith-based organization. So we're, we're very proud of that, and we accepted that award on behalf of our congregation because in our case, our congregation was willing to subsidize and, and show the willingness to go ahead and take our vision and fund it and see where it goes. So what I'm, what I'm saying to anybody that wants to start a community garden, basically go ahead and it's critical that you identify uh, what you mean by your community garden and how many uh, uh, homes or how many individuals you see this as uh, addressing. And you know, and build your build your project around that. The thing to also remember when doing that is to be realistic. The thing to do is also to go ahead and make your your community partnerships. You will be amazed at how many businesses, organizations, individuals out there 
uh, are willing and want to help. Now, they may not know that they want to help or are willing to help until you go see them. But I, I, would, I would venture to say, and almost everybody that we approached, and this was back in the days when we didn't have nothing to show. We didn't even have a sketch. We didn't even have, uh, we just had an idea, walking in their store, uh, telling them, hello, I'm so-and-so, and here's what we want to do over at Bear Creek Church. And they still gave. They still saw the vision. So it, it requires people that are going to be involved in this to see the vision. That's where you start. You identify that. And I really encourage you to take what I just mentioned earlier about our friend Marcy's concept of the neighborhood gardening. Talk to your neighbors. Get several of your, your neighbors together and say, hey, do you want to uh, pull our resources, pull our efforts, uh, pull our, our, our energies together and put up a community garden together in your backyard, Sam and Dave's backyard for next, next spring or whatever. That's a community garden. Anything that involves, just like God says and the Bible says, that anything that involves two or more, but we're, we're really talking about a community. And so uh, you can contact us. You can contact me. Uh, get this out of the way right now. You can contact us at the Bear Creek Community Church in Irving, Texas. Our mailing address is 2700 Finley Road, 2700 Finley, F-I-N-L-E-Y Road in Irving, Texas. And our zip code over here is 75062. We also have an email. email. I'll give it to you. It's kind of long, but it's B as in boy and then CCC. Three C's for Bear Creek Community Church, Community Garden at yahoo.com. And I can give you a phone number, uh, uh, Joel, if you want me to do that later before we close, but you can call me directly. We'd be more than glad to uh, to come out or talk to you or make a presentation to your church or your organization. We're in demand for that a lot right now as a result of our garden, and we lovingly do it. Jerry, you can go ahead and give out that number now if you have a desire to, because we want everyone to be a part of this here. We want everyone to apply their God-given talents to change your life in some way, change the life of a neighborhood. Absolutely. And, 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 again, I can't emphasize enough what this does to other areas of your life in terms of the garden experiences. Nothing like being out in that garden. It's just a, uh, even in your own garden, in your own backyard, you can experience that if you haven't already the, the tranquility, the peace that comes over you, the opportunity that you have to commune uh, with God uh, in, in, in that garden experience. It's a quiet time. You're away from all the hustle and the bustle and the this and, and that of life. And it's so, it's so amazing that you see God's creation uh, and his ability to be such an awesome God that, that you see something planted from a seed and watch it grow and nurture it and, and, and love it and, and, and bring it to, to, you know, to uh, a full harvest. There's nothing like that experience. Before I get my number, I'll say some more things. You know, uh, uh, obviously when we said our vision wasn't small and it was big and our success hasn't been small, it's been big, and our opportunities that we're, that we're uh, enjoying and just seeing from the creation of this garden certainly is not small. It's very big. And, it, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the, you know, some, other, some of the other components. We talked about the, the children's garden. We talked about the pollinator's garden. We just recently uh, uh, have designated an area that we call our artist garden. We have, we have invited some artists to come in the garden and do some interpretive, uh, some interpretive art. And, you know, and that resulted as a result of some graffiti that was on one of our, one of our church properties. We came up with graffiti for God. We got with some organizations and, and, oh, and our lowest. You know what? We'll provide the materials and build a fence, and you can paint it, and we'll invite these graffiti artists to come in and have them do something that, that is interpretive. Have them do something creative. Give them a sense of ownership, a 
of this church property, this church garden. So that's our graffiti from God project. I just met with a couple of artists the other day that are going to do some murals for us. It's going to be, you know, get that experience. Our our shed, uh, our garden tool shed that was provided by Lowe's and, and was uh, installed by them and donated, uh, has some, some artwork on the side of it. We have a rain barrel collection for the rain, which would rain, but we have the we have the rain barrel to collect the rain so we can take take that and put it on our plants and help them grow. And I, oh, I man, that's powerful. That's too, powerful. Uh, the, the last thing I'll tell you about how God has so magnanimously uh, blessed this garden. You know, we're actually getting ready to become the only garden, not only in our garden, but even the ones that are operating, they're going to have a year-round temperature-controlled greenhouse. Uh, Walmart is going to build us a greenhouse that's going to allow us the opportunity to grow fresh vegetables year-round, 12 months out of the year, and, and benefit our food pantry. And so we're so excited about that because that, that's something that's, that's not been done, has never been done in a community garden. And so, you know, we're going to be the recipient of that. They're going to build us this, this, this temperature-controlled greenhouse, and we're going, to grow, we're going to grow these healthy vegetables and plants and food year-round. Can you imagine that? You can oh, that imagine is beautiful, Jeff. I think that is. And, and so is these are the opportunities that, that, have, that have opened us uh, up for us. We're still talking to the independent school districts about doing tours and coming and spending days in our outdoor learning laboratory. Uh, these are all the ministries that, that God has opened up as a result of this garden. We have a healing ministry, a Bible study group that, that takes place in the garden, weather permitting, uh, that we actually meet in the garden. And all of our, all of our Bible study is, is dealing with, uh, uh, you know, uh, how God deals with healing and how God deals with and speaks about gardens and planting and growing. Gerald, that's great. That's great. What a great interview that we had there with Gerald Taylor of Barrel Creek Garden. Gerald is no longer over there anymore. Uh, He's going to be with the father. But Gerald was very gifted and talented. And he was able to share with us some things that concern the community garden. I'm always excited about this program. That was an archive show dated back some time ago, but you know it's still relevant and still is expected today. We have started a community garden over at the Cottrell House. This is our third year. And uh, so we get a chance to uh, introduce that to different young men at, at different times of the year, which is uh, always in the uh, in the springtime. And some of them are there up until the harvest of the, of the vegetables. And uh, they're always excited. They said, Mr. Lewis, we didn't know that this was going to work. We didn't know that uh, this is how fruit is formed on various uh, plants and things. And so I said, with the same effort and the same ingenuity you put in to help develop this garden, to help uh, plant this garden, what you put into your life. You know, we want our young people to be successful. We want them to be successful for whatever they put their hands to do. I think so much as someone said, be like that tree planted by the river or water. And it and it do season that whatever it do it shall prosper. I want our young men to be successful, not only in the field but in the city and in the marketplace. You know, let's bring this thing home, girl. We said help change the life, but we realize what we're saying that that's a big command. So his disciple to go ye therefore and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and lo, I'll be with you always. Break it down. Help change the life. We pray that what we're doing here free on the inside men should help change in your life, giving you a, a different view of things. We ask you to be encouraged, to be steadfast and unmovable. We ask you to continue to do the work of the mission which God has put to your hands to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this program. 
We're not in the studio today, but yet we're still in the ministry. We're looking forward to being with you uh, next week at the same time. Please tell someone about Free on the Inside Internet program to inform you, to encourage you, and to challenge you to be all you could be. As we get ready to get out of here, we want to have a word of prayer. Thank you and thank our Heavenly Father. Grace and the Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for another day. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time of the year, dear Lord, how the season is changing, dear Lord, from winter to spring to summer. We thank you, dear Lord, how our life should change, dear Lord, from darkness to the marvelous light. We thank you for what you had done in our life, how you watched over us and, and preserved us when we didn't have that relationship with you. And now, dear Lord, that we're able to see the errors of our ways, that we're able to encourage some young man, woman, dear Lord, to be strong in the Lord, some marriage couple to be strong in the Lord, some single couple to be strong in the Lord, some people that are in age, dear Lord, that, that they uh, feel like they used to uh, have passed them by and they did not handle their life in the proper country. Let them know. Dear Lord, that you had watched over them from the very beginning, dear Lord. Dear Lord, as we go out throughout the day, let us be an encourager one to another. Let someone encourage us. Dear Lord, give us safe passage regardless of what we do today. And we always give you the praise and the glory. Dear Lord, we ask you to continue to bless our listening audience. Continue to allow this program to be what you want it to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray that everyone be safe until we meet again. In the name of Jesus, amen. You're listening to another great episode of Free on the Inside. Be strong, be courageous in the Lord. As we get ready to get out of here, looking forward to speaking with you again next week at this same time. Please tell somebody about an Internet program that's attempting to help everybody in Jesus' name. Amen.